Yeah, good morning, church. It's so glad. Uh, I'm so glad to see every one of you here this morning. I'm sure all of you are joyful, happy, and alive. If you're joyful, happy, and alive, can you just wave at me? Yeah, some have not. So I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know whether you're here or you are far away. But be here. Be here. Lend me your ears as we consider God's word this morning. My title this morning is Eyes of Faith, taken from 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17. You see the Elisha, prophet Elisha and the servant. When the servant woke up in the morning, he saw chariots of the world, soldiers, chariots and horses of the enemy surrounding them and getting ready to capture the prophet. Let's read the, the verse the words that we have. Second Kings chapter six, verse fifteen to seventeen. Okay, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let us pray this morning. Father, this morning, quieten our minds, still our hearts. For your living ways are all we seek. Strengthen our lives, inspire our spirits. In your living waters flow endless grace. So we invite you this morning, your Holy Spirit to move freely. Dwell in each one of our hearts. Inspire us as we learn of your majestic ways. May we behold your beauty and encounter your grace. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. The king of Aram, or Syria, the modern Syria, Ben-Hadad, he was determined to kill Elisha and his servant. And he sent a strong military party to surround them in the city of Dothan. The city of Dothan is a small settlement about 10 miles away from, from Samaria. The Syrian army gathered together, surrounded the city, their target to capture Prophet Elisha. Why? Why, prof why capture Prophet Elisha? After all, he's just a man of God. Why capture him so, with so many soldiers and horses and chariots? You know why? Because Elisha was the one who tells King Joram of Israel every time King Ben-Hadad wants to ambush 
or, or fight against the Israelites, King, uh, Prophet Elisha will go and tell King Joram, the, the enemy, the king of Aram, Ben-Hadad, will want to do something here towards this territory. So every time he tells the secret to King Joram. So that's why King Ben-Hadad wants to capture this man and finish him once and for all. So early in the morning, Elisha's servant awaked and began making preparations to return to their residence in Samaria. He happened to look over the wall and he discovered to his great surprise and dismay an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So he said, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Now this is all we say sometimes when we encounter problems in our lives. You know, when things just happen in our lives, we say, what shall we do? Elisha comforted his servant with a word. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then what did Elisha do? Elisha prayed and he prayed, Oh Lord, open the eyes of this servant, of this man. Then the Lord heard his prayer. The Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And he saw on the hills full of horses and chariots of God. Chariots of fire all around, all around Elisha. The servant saw thousands of soldiers at Elisha's disposal. And what did Elisha tell the servant? Don't be afraid. We have got them outnumbered. They are more with us than with them. Remember the New Testament in 1 John 4, 4, it says the one in us is greater than the one in the world. And so it is with every one of us. Forces gathered around us in opposition. Our opponents seem to have the edge. But that is false. We are never outnumbered. We are never outgunned. We are never outmaneuvered. Can you say amen? Amen. The psalmist David, this is what he said in Psalm chapter 3, verse 1 and 5 to 6. He says, O Lord, many are my foes. How many rise up against me? I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustained me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. The point of this is when we are under pressure, when we find that the world is doing its best to destroy us, to take away our hope, to hurt those we love, the kinds of threats that are mounted will be met with wise, direct, powerful good news. Christians, all of us included here, we are accused of being otherworldly-minded escapists at times. We flee to God and avoid the struggles of the real world. It seems we don't know what it's like to live in hard places, 
and in hard times. But what we find in this account is that we get specific answers to real problems. That is certainly the witness of the Bible, especially the New Testament. Death threatens and death is answered by resurrection. Remember when Jesus died, he rose again. Chains bind and chains are broken at, for freedom's sake. Children are orphaned and they are claimed by God as royal sons and daughters. The dying are given life in abundance. Failure is overcome with grace. Godly parents, as you sit here, you may be concerned about your children, and rightly so, because today our children, our children are threatened and surrounded by worldly influence, like the chariots surrounding Doton. We have to offer them something better in the gospel. And I'm so glad this morning that Pastor Sue was here telling you that, hey, Esau is on the way. We have to declare to our children the precious good news, the gospel. And how better for you to be equipped to tell them the good news. Why are kids today interested in what is ultimately destructive to them? Firstly, they are lonely because they want to be somebody. Secondly, they think they are not beautiful and they want to be. Three, they would like independence. Four, they like life to have meaning. They would like to be connected to something that is worthwhile. This is what our children would like to have. So what does, what does the gospel offer them? The gospel offer them beauty. They don't have to look for other means of being beautiful. Because when you have the word of God, the word of God will make you beautiful. Secondly, what does the gospel offer them? Offer them strength in their times of trouble in the times of temptation. The gospel offers them an identity. They know who they are in Christ Jesus. And of course, the gospel offers them freedom. Freedom in their life, no more in bondage to the habits of their lives. And the gospel offers them connection to something that is worthwhile. Man-made chariots arrayed around Doton were no match for the chariots of fire. God's solution will give needy souls exactly what they need in place of the foolishness that preys on their vulnerabilities. The chariots of God are chariots of fire meeting the needs of hearts in ways that overwhelm the threatening and destructive alternatives. In this story, we notice that Elijah's, Elisha's servant, 
had vision problems. He could see, and yet he could not see. Like someone who has lost his glasses or his contact lenses. He saw the enemy surrounding the city, but not the greater host of God's angels who protected the man of God. He could see the danger, but he could not see the deliverance. His physical eyes may be tested and declared 2020, but he was in need, badly in need of spiritual eyes. My brothers and sisters, today what we need are spiritual eyes. Because some, some of us, we have physical eyes and yet we do not see. Sometimes in church, I may see you and still not see you. So if I ignore you and don't wave at you and don't smile at you, please forgive me. <laughs> because sometimes the spiritual, the, the physical eye can be blinded at times when we are in, when we are in deep thoughts. I have also found occasions when uh, I'm in the presence of uh, even leaders. They see me, but yet they don't see me. They see through me. <laughs> so, if we have somehow see through you at times, forgive us. It is not deliberate, but we try our best. When we see people, like this morning, I make sure that I smile at them and acknowledge them. Yeah, I acknowledge Simon Yap, for example. I acknowledge Sun Hao and Paul. So I acknowledge people as much as possible so that they know that I have physical eyes that can see. <laughs> so don't have physical eyes that don't see. Have eyes that will see. When Jesus was asked by his disciples why he taught the crowds in parables, and this is what he said, this is why I spoke to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, in Isaiah 9, in Matthew 13, 13, it says, People see what I do, but they don't really see. So my encouragement to husband and wife, family members, is this. When you look at your wife, look at her intently and say what? You are, Jeremy, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, we must be deliberate. When you look at your children, you see them as potential leaders of the nation. See them in greater lights. Value them. Very value every one of your people. Value every one of your members. If you're a cell leader, member, value all your employees and subordinates if you're an employer. Helen Keller said this, I have walked with people whose eyes are full of light, but who see nothing. They see nothing in the woods or the sky. Nothing in sports, nothing on the street, 
their soul's voyage through this enchanted world is a barren waste. When D.L. Moody was in London, people came to ask him, what is the secret of your passion for evangelism, for souls? D.L. Moody said, look outside, what do you see? Some of those pastors and leaders see, I see people walking. They're just about doing their own business. Men, women walking. Then they asked D.L. Moody, what do you see? D.L. Moody said, when I look out the window, I see people walking into hell. If they do not know Jesus Christ, they will walk into hell. The greatest and wisest men are those who see further and deeper than others. Jesus saw what blind eyes could not see. And he, therefore, he was very calm and he was very joyful even when in the presence of agony and death. The truest vision, however, is the vision of faith. The world says, seeing is believing. The gospel says, believing is seeing. There's great truth there. People in the world today, they say, show me Jesus. Then I believe. Most of you today, bless the heart of God. Thank God. You believed. And then you begin to see the miracles of God taking place in your life, in your family. There is a great spiritual world that we have never seen with our physical eyes. We have two sets of eyes, the physical and the spiritual eyes. The physical eyes see the natural things in the world. The spiritual eyes, however, see into the supernatural things of the world, the things that are unseen. And they are eyes of faith. The clearer sight we have of the power of heaven, the less we fear the troubles of earth. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. But if you look at Christ Jesus, you will be at rest. Can you say amen? Yes. That's why the, the word, the song that we sing, it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the world will grow, will grow strangely dim as you, in the light of his glory and grace. There's a small little fish about 8 to 12 inches long. This fish is called four eyes, but it actually don't have four eyes. It's only two eyes. <laughs> but it's called four eyes. The species is called anableps, anableps. This is found in South America or Central America. And what is special about this fish, it has two bulging eyes. Two bulging eyes. And it's, it's so situated above the head that when it glides in the water, this two head is above the water. 
So there's a water lens here. Water lens on top of the eye. And the, the water lens will enable this fish to see the upper and the lower world. So that's the kind of vision we should have as Christians. We need to have eyes fixed on the needs of those people around us. We need to have eyes to see what the enemy is doing in our lives. But at the same time, we need to look up. Because Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still the super king of all the earth. He reigns over every affair of the nations. Elisha's servant was gazing so intently at the Syrian army that he couldn't see the chariots of fire. Chariots of fire are symbols of God's power. Psalm 68, 17 says, The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. Mind you, that is numerous. Remember what happened to Elijah. In 2 Kings 2, verse 11, as they were walking, as they, Elisha and Elijah, Elijah and Elisha were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Chariots of fire appeared when, he was, when Elijah was taken to heaven in a whirlwind. The chariots of fire that Elisha's servants saw were similar to the ones that had taken Elijah along with the whirlwind to heaven. So Elijah's servant represents those today who concentrate so much on problems, so much on obstacles, that they don't see the power of God. Now, death, but before we jump into any, we judge this servant of Elisha, we need to ask ourselves, how would we fare in regard to faith? What would you do if your house was surrounded by enemies? What would you do if a person were to come near your car while you are driving and the Lord of all lords, how nice it is to be in the presence of God. Two missionaries in Malaysia, they walked to a distant village for some money which had been sent to them from the bank. When they were returning to their station, night overtook them. So they prayed, and they committed their time to God. Then they lay down to sleep on a lonely hillside. Some weeks later, a man came to the mission hospital for treatment. He looked intently at the missionary doctor and he said, I have seen you before. The doctor said, no, I don't think we have ever met. 
the bandit said, but we have met before, insisted the man. You were sleeping one night on a hillside. Several of us saw you withdraw some money from the bank. We followed you, intending to rob you when it was dark. But we could not get near you because of all the soldiers that were surrounding you. The missionary doctor said, what, soldiers? There were no soldiers with us. The bandit said, there were soldiers with you. I saw them. So did my companions. Sixteen of them with guns drawn. So we ran away. So look up, my brothers and sisters. The angels of God are with you and they will defend you. Amen. See the chariots of fire all around you. Don't be afraid. God will protect you. I told you some, some time ago that one and a half years ago, my daughter and my wife, they were, they had trouble. Serious trouble. My daughter went through a very bad accident. The car was a write-off, but she had not even a single sketch, stretch, scratch, is it? <laughs> On her body. No injury at all. But she suffered the trauma for several months. She had sleepless, sometimes sleepless nights, but a lot of nightmares, frightening dreams. Then a few months later, when we were overseas with my wife, my wife contracted some disease. And this, this illness caused her to be unable to eat. So she didn't eat for three over four days. So she was very, very weak. So we, we said the best thing is now to, to send her to the hospital. The doctor there recommended. So we went to the hospital. The one, hospital wanted to, to admit her. We said no, because they were starting to find all kinds of diagnosis we don't even know. Because in, in the European country, they don't know about what we call dengue. So we rushed her back to Malaysia and to the hospital and found out that she had dengue fever. Her reading was down to 20. 20 is already very endangered level, very, very dangerous. So she could have died in that country. But thank God, she's alive today. Can you say amen? <laughs> but because of my, my daughter's trauma, she, had, she was very uneasy with her life, you know, because of the traumatic experience, dreams and so on. But God was so good. Several months ago, God gave her a dream. And this dream is like this. She was, we were on a ship. And she and the mother, my younger daughter and, my, and her, her mother, they were, they were standing, crouching, just by one side. And I was 
she saw me at the deck holding and maybe praying against the wave, the hundred feet wave coming on the ship, trying to destroy us. But then she, she turned and she, none of the water affected her. Suddenly the wave came down and there was calm. So she came out of this dream healed by the power of God. To know that God is at hand, God will help her and she's now on the way to full recovery. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Another time, we had a home renovation, you know, and then our win my window was opened a little bit because of for the air. And then because of renovation, there was uh, some stables just outside the window and the, the gate was locked. The contractor's uh, leather was there. So when, next morning when I woke up, I went to near the window, I saw a, a gun. <laughs> so I was thinking, Wait, why, why should the gun be there? Then my wife said, hey, maybe robbers came to rob us. The robbers ran away because they saw angels surrounding us. Come on, give God a lot of praise. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because the Lord is strong. He will help you. Thirdly, the servant of Elisha was blind to God's provision. As the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, opened his eyes, and the Lord opened the eyes of the, of the servant, and he saw soldiers, horses of fire around Elisha. Notice Elisha did not panic. He was not fearful. The provision in this case was deliverance. The deliverance comes as a result of prayer. Prayer moves the hand of mighty God. Can you say amen? When you pray, God's hands are moved. And when His hands are moved, no enemy will be able to affect you. God specializes in deliverance. He delivered Daniel from the lion's den in Daniel 6. He delivered Peter from prison. In Acts chapter 12, he delivered King Hezekiah. You see, King Hezekiah was a good God. Was a, uh, sorry, he was a good king. Good king. He found himself and the city of Jerusalem surrounded by a Syrian army of 185,000 soldiers. Then what did he do? He went into the temple and he prayed. And God answered his prayer. God sent his angel among the Syrian army and 185,000 of the enemy soldiers died. Victory is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4.6 The prayer that each one of us need to pray this morning is this, Lord, open my eyes that I may see spiritually 
what is going on around me. So this morning, my brothers and sisters, be assured that God is with you in that place where He has placed you, where He has placed you, that is holy ground. So when you are in a situation of uncertainty and fear, come to Jesus. Ask for His peace to come upon you. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, present your request to God and the peace of God which passes understanding, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Notice the order. First, prayer. And then, peace. There is a cause and effect relationship here. Prayer is the cause. Peace is the effect. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. But Jesus has come to correct our spiritual eyes. In, ministry, in the ministry of Jesus, he gave sight to blind eyes. And he often uses our prayers in this process as well. Elijah prayed for the servant's eyes to be opened this morning, think of somebody in your family whose eyes are not open, whose eyes are blinded by the enemy. A few weeks ago, we were at uh, Joyce Yoon's place doing a home blessing. And the day before, uh, Paul, Paul, one of, Paul Chua, one of our cell leaders, he texts me, he says, there are two pre-believers there. So the next morning, in my time alone with God, I prayed, I read the scripture, then I prayed. God gave me a vision. He gave me a vision of that we are going to celebrate in that home in the evening when we go there for the home blessing. I saw in my mind's eye, in my spiritual eyes, people raising their hands in celebration. So I was assured in my heart, there's something good and great is going to take place. So we went there. Blessed. Before we blessed the home, we asked the family to just stand and pray for them. Then I asked the question to the parents. The both parents do not know the Lord, haven't given their life to Jesus yet. Both parents said, and he placed a gun at your window, at your car window. What would you do when your business takes a dive and your finances are running low. Do you believe at this time, at this critical, frightening time, that God is there to help you? Or would you just run, take your weapons if you have, or call 999. As I see it, Elisha's servant represents a great deal of humanity, like you and I. He's so overcome by the problem that he failed to see three things. Firstly, he failed to see the presence of God. He was blind to the presence of God. 
God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. And that's why Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Do I not fill heaven and earth? The Lord fills the whole entire world and universe. A little girl was asked, Why is there one God? Only one God. And this is her reply. This is classic. She said, because his presence fills the whole, he fills every place. And there is no room left for any other. No room left for any other. That's why there's only one God. Psalm 139 tells us that wherever we are, God is there. Wherever you are, even now, here, God is there. Here. Verse 8, 7 to 8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The special presence. Now that is the omnipresence of God. Now the presence, the special presence of God is promised to those who follow Jesus Christ and who know Him well. Matthew 28, 20 says, and this is directed to the disciples and to every one of us, and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. God is so big that He fills the entire heaven and so small that He can dwell within our hearts. Isn't it amazing? How can God, who is so big, can dwell into this, in this small little heart? It's amazing. But God has a special presence in, to each one of us. He's always present with us all the time. Elisha lived within the presence of God. That's why he was so victorious, surrounded by the enemy. There was no terror in Elisha's face. There was no panic in his heart. With calmness, courage, and confidence, he said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You see, the word don't be afraid has been mentioned 365 times in the Bible. In other words, God is telling us, don't be afraid of any circumstances in your life. Why? Because I am with you, always. So God is present wherever we are. We are in His sight. His hand is upon us. Times of danger and uncertainty are one of the most likely, is likely to make clear to blind eyes the powerful presence of God. When you feel alone in your struggle, lift up your eyes. The hosts of God are all about you. See the chariots of fire. If you have eyes to see, you will feel yourself enveloped by the protecting care of God. Elijah's servant stands as ample proof that even God's own people do not practice the 
the presence of God in times of stress. Stress is a constant companion to every one of us. If I were to approach you and say, are you stressful today, Patricia? Stressful or not? No. <laughs> okay. We have a certain amount of stress uh, in our lives. If you have no stress, means there is no life in you. We need a certain amount of stress to keep us on target so that we reach our destination. Yeah, we reach our destination because of the stress God has given us. Those are healthy stress. But I'm aiming at unhealthy stress. Remember, stress is God's way of saying, get yourself, get your focus off the world. Get your focus in order. Focus on me. If you want to get rid of your stress, what do you do? You focus on Jesus. Psalm 31 verse 15 says, My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. The Bible is filled with examples of men and women who trusted in God's presence. Abraham went forth because he knew God was with him. Moses went into the wilderness confident of God's presence. And that's why he could say with confidence, he could tell the Israelites, he could tell the soldiers of Israel, he told them, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Moses had spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. He had spiritual eyes to see the hordes of heaven at his disposal. God is with them. God fights the battle for them. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem despite the ridicule of even his own companions. An ocean liner left a British port during World War II and headed for a harbour in the US. Enemy ships were all everywhere. The captain was given secret directions concerning the chart, charting the course. Added with these instructions, keep straight on this course. Turn aside for nothing. If you need help, send the message by code. After a few days at sea, the crew spotted an enemy cruiser on the horizon. It appeared to be trailing them. The captain immediately sent a coded message. And this is what the coded message says. Enemy cruiser sighted. What shall I do? The reply came from an unseen vessel. Keep straight on. 
I am standing by. No friendly ship could be seen, but the captain kept the liner on course until it safely reached port. Within a short time, a British submarine glided quietly into the same port. Although it had been, it had not been, it had been out of sight, it had always been present all the way. So my brothers and sisters, wherever you are, whatever circumstances you may be in, there is an unseen eye on you. And this unseen eye is more powerful than any of your foe. He can extinguish them with one breath. So be assured of God's presence in your life. Secondly, the servant of Elisha was blind to God's protection. When the servant saw the army of horses and chariots, he was afraid. Fear gripped his heart. Now fear is the first reaction when we are surrounded by the enemy and we ask, what shall I do? Elisha told his servant, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Psalm 34 verse 7 says, The angel of God encamps around about those that fear him and delivers them. Angels of God are here today. You may not see them, but they encamp all around you, around your family, around your loved ones. Angels have three distinct roles. The first one is the warrior, uh, the warrior angel. For example, of the warrior angel is Michael. Angel Michael. In Daniel 10, he appeared to the prophet Daniel. And then we have the messenger angel, like Gabriel, who appeared to the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter 1. The third role of the angel are worshipping angels. Their role is simply to worship God. Some of us may be wondering, our loved ones may have departed and gone home to Jesus. You'll be wondering, what are they doing in heaven? They are worshipping the King of Kings. I ask them, Jesus knocks at your door. You open your heart's door, Jesus will come in. Do you want to accept Jesus now before we pray for you for the home? After a moment, the family members were all, all tensed up, whether yes or no. <laughs> Suddenly, they said, yes. <laughs> the whole family, they cried, tears of joy. Give God praise, yes. You need spiritual eyes. And your spiritual eyes will see when you spend time alone with God in His Word. You will see marvelous things in His law, in the world that God has given you. The greatest testimony anyone can hear from us in the world of darkness is the words of the formerly blind man in John chapter 9. 
And this is what he said, all I know is I, was, I once was lost, but now, he said, I once was blind, sorry. All I know is that once I was blind, but now I see. And when asked, how did that happen? He answered, I met Jesus, the light of the world. This morning, this evening, I'm sorry, this morning, have you met Jesus, the light of the world? If you have not, I encourage you, open your heart to Him. He will come in and be your Lord and Savior. Do not be blind to His love and power to forgive you. This is what the, this Christian leader, George Fox, says, the best seers, not the best sayers, are God's most effective messengers. So we must grow eyes that see. They are a gift to the answer to all our prayer. Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may see what otherwise cannot be seen. Philippians, Ephesians 1.18. So three ways your seeing will grow. Your seeing will grow as you, number one, feed on God's Word. Faith comes from hearing from the message of God. The test of your time in the Word is this. Has it enabled you to see? Secondly, seeing also depends on where you stand. C.S. Lewis said, stand on the promises of God's word. Thirdly, your seeing will also depend on the sort of person you are. Be the best disciple of Jesus. Be the best servant of God. Be the best Christian for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the, poor, are the pure in heart. Jesus said, For they will see God. Hallelujah. So if you're afraid of life's trials and battles, look to Jesus. He is your source of peace, source of strength, and source of grace. The Lord is with us. The Lord protects us. And the Lord delivers us. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's bow forward for prayer.